Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Uh, hopefully you had a great weekend. Uh, today joining me is my co-host, Micah Current. Micah Current, how are you doing today, sir? Man, I, you know, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> just woke up a little bit ago. I mean, I've been up for a couple hours, but it's just, it's going to be a crazy week. I'm kind of, you know, ramping up for that, and mm-hmm. but I'm good. I'm thankful to be here, thankful for another day. Just, Wonderful. Just, uh, crazy, you know, both of, our, both of us are going through transitions right now. Both of us are going through different yeah. life things, and so yeah, how are you? It's been, it's, I can't complain. It's been a very good week. Like, we moved in. This past Saturday, or not this past Saturday, but two, two Saturdays ago, we moved in. My son started school this past Thursday. Um, actually ran into a couple people who live in the area that I knew from my past. So that was interesting. And it just seemed like, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where it just seemed like me moving to where I am, serving where I'm at, has opened up a lot of doors and opened up a lot of relationships that... uh some some old relationships that you know that I haven't had in, in at least years. So um so yeah, it's been it's been pretty it's been a pretty interesting week and and especially you know starting this week, you know, I'll just see how things are going, but so far cannot complain too much. So Micah, what's the weirdest thing that has happened uh for you this week? And you can only share one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh I, I mean there's so much, man. It just seems like a blur. Um <laughs> it just weirdness just follows you, right? No, for no for context, right? Like I'm yeah. bivocational, obviously. I work at a church, but I work full time. My primary job's in higher ed and I work at a I work at a university here in uh, Ohio. I work at Miami University in Oxford. And um School's getting ready to start this week, right? So, like, you know, we're gearing up for that, and um, I'm just trying to think of just, you know, what's the weirdest thing? Um, man, I don't know. We usually do the segment every week, and I'm kind of like <laughs> at a loss. Well, there's um, no weird. Maybe, maybe today there's just a lot of little weird things. Just. Well, the church I just transitioned out of, um, uh-huh. I'm still helping them like on a contract basis, like a supplemental contract. And I'm I'm like basically doing what I was doing before, but not actually being there on Sundays. Like I'm building their services. I'm, you know, doing their social media, keeping their website mm-hmm. up to date and whatnot. And um, the, until they can, you know, find a replacement for me that can do all that stuff. But like, I'm only temporary for that. And I'm not actually going to the church. I'm remoting into that machine and I'm, you know, and putting and building their services and pro presenter and building their pastor sermon notes and things like that. And so this past week, um, for whatever reason, I could not get into the machine. And oh. so uh, I had the service built, but I didn't have the sermon built. And um, the first week that I was gone, there was still kind of talks of whether I was going to continue doing this or not. And, um, so I didn't do anything that first week I had built, like, I think through, I want to say through August, like all the services in August already built except mm. for the sermons. Right. And so like, I didn't do that first week. So somebody had done that sermon, right? Somebody were put, somebody had put the sermon notes in for the week and it wasn't me. And so on Friday I'm sitting at work and the worship pastor texting me, you know, is texting me. He's like, did you get the sermon? Are you able to get into the computer? Because we couldn't get in on Thursday. And he was like, I really need to to get the sermon done. And I was like, listen, I, if I can't get in to the machine, I can't do it. And so he was panicked that it wasn't going to be able to get done. And I was like, look, it'll get done. If you know, somebody has to get there on Sunday morning and do it. That's fine. I, but the thing is, I couldn't do it. I literally could not do it because the machine was the machine was locked up, and I don't have the key to this building or anything. I can't just go to the building and just get in and do mm-hmm. it. And yeah. so, the weird, I guess, the weird thing, if you want to classify it as weird, is that he was like, "Those guys don't know how to do the sermon. They can't do the sermon." I'm like, "Well, Dan, somebody did the sermon the first week that I was gone." And so we're like in these a couple different group texts, and we're going back and forth. And I was like, would somebody just please tell me who did the sermon the first week that I was gone? Because I didn't do it, but he was convinced that they didn't know how to. So long story short, 
one of the guys was able to build the sermon and like it was crazy it was absolutely crazy because i couldn't get in the machine i just couldn't and um you know technology yeah so it was weird because it, it a... every other week that it works and it was just this week that it didn't and it wasn't like a password change like someone accidentally changed the password or it was just just you well so i think they changed the vpn and then they gave me the updated link to get in to you know to get the credentials to get into the vpn Mm. Uh, but i had finally got into the machine and the computer locked up and then it just basically kicked me out so i couldn't do anything nobody could do anything and dan's dan's response was well how's this going to get done i'm like well i I, I can't fix it if it's locked or, you know, I'm now, in Oxford, Ohio and the church is in Middletown. It's like, I can't, I can't just go to the church or walk down the hall. Like I'm in the building. If yeah. the computer, you know, if the computer locks up, I can't do it. So mm-hmm. it was kind of strange that the technology, you know, technology doesn't always work, but you yeah. know, we got to figure it out. So what about yeah. you? So mine would be kind of more of like a strange coincidence, which, you know, I guess we consider weird. So I've been reading this book called, uh, what if Jesus was serious about the church is by Sky Jatani. He has a couple other books like what if Jesus was serious and what if Jesus was serious about prayer. And mm. all those books have been really good. And they're really short chapters. Like each chapter is probably like two pages, but there's like 36 chapters. So he kind of like leads you through a sink, like a train of thought, but he breaks it up in like 36, like 36 chapters in three parts. Um, so this uh, second part was about uh, communion, the Lord's table. And I'm reading this article. And it's talking about communion. It's kind of talking a little bit about a certain historical event. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. So then this past Sunday, there's a gentleman there who, um, who's like a well of like information. Like he knows a lot of things about history or whatnot. And, since, this, you know, and this come, is at your new church? This is at my new church, yeah. Okay. So I'm there, and he's talking about um, history things. And since he knows I'm from Virginia, he usually will give me, like, a lot of Virginia facts and stuff. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's interesting. And um, he kind of mentioned that, um, oh, yeah, do you know where uh, St. Paul's Church is in, uh, in Richmond? I go, yeah, I know where that's at, because I've driven by there a few times when I've been out in Richmond. And he goes, oh, yeah, there was a... There's a story that um, after the Civil War, there's an African-American man who went to church and he wanted to take communion and the pastor wasn't willing to give him communion. And then guess who actually went by the black man to get communion? And I said, who? And he's like, oh, Robert E. Lee did. And, and so. Which is interesting because the article that I read in the book was the same exact story, but the way he told it and the way it's actually written in this book two different glaring <laughs> two different glaring like the in the book and it's even has like a quote from the uh I think it's from the Richmond Times like the newspaper back then but apparently it was refusing but Robert E Lee did go down to take communion but he was over on the other side on the other altar took his communion elements and then left and then everybody else went on that side and on the other side where the black man was Still never was offered communion because everybody went over to the other side. And there was this article written by the Richmond Times saying like, oh, how such a how this was such a very bad uh, display of, you know, of of trying of unity after such a devastating um, split within within the union. And it was just like and I just thought about that, how perspectives are different. And just the idea how someone could be learned and could be taught one thing, and then you could kind of look deeper into that same thing and really find a whole other side to that story. And it really made me think about um, kind of that act of like reconciliation, where a lot of times people, why people don't reconcile is because they only hear one side of the story. And if it's like, oh, well, this is all bad, and the other person sees it from a different perspective, that they're never going to reconcile unless you have a mediator to basically say, hey, let's show, let's put all our cards on the table. Let's look at everything and let's kind of get to a place where we can say, okay, here's kind of what happened. Here's how people felt about the situation. It's usually where the perception comes from. It's usually attached to our feelings. And then this is how we can healthy, uh, reconcile healthy and be able to kind of 
build up the unity within Christianity or within the church. So I just thought that was, I thought that was just a strange coincidence. I read something that week. And then at the end of the week, you know, I hear the same story from a different perspective. Mm. Where did that teach you though? Uh, just, I mean, I think, well, I think a lot of things, and I think this is kind of thing like when I lived in the South is that sometimes what's taught to people may not always be accurate or it may just be kind of half truths where, I mean, I've, I mean, it's weird. Like when you talk about why the civil war happened, it's always about, well, it's because of states' rights. In the South, they'll tell you it's states' rights. But up in, but up the, if you live up North or if you live in the Midwest, you know, it's basically about slavery. And that's kind of where you hear the two things. Can both be true? Absolutely. But why was it important for the South to have state rights so that they could still own their slaves and the government can't um, approach on what they want to do? Right. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so it, it is, it is very interesting. So I think that's kind of, or like, you know, when you talk about in the South, they say, oh, we don't call it the Civil War. We call it the War of Northern Aggression. And that's what they're taught. And I'm thinking, or at least some of the older parishioners that I talked to, that's what they would tell me. And and literally, Micah, I couldn't tell if they were joking or being serious because usually they'd say, oh, no, we're joking. But they didn't say we're joking. So I, so if it is a joke, please, someone in Virginia, let me know. Because I'm believing that that's probably true. <laughs> well, and, you know, to be fair, like, you know, I've lived in the South, too. And I was born in the South. Like, they're, I mean, that's. How old is that? Like eighteen hundred, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Mm -hmm. That's still a thing. Like <laughs> people still very much act differently in the south than they do in the north. Oh yeah, and and even and I was at a fair up here, and they had a booth that said "Ooh, Southern Sweet Tea," and I had some of it, and no, it was the most disgusting sweet tea I ever had. It's it was not. not it was not, not the same. It's like nope. Here, I can make better Southern Sweet Tea than this carnival booth can because. <laughs> It definitely is not Southern sweet. You have lied to me, ma'am. <laughs> so, so I was, I was born in Mississippi. Okay. I don't know if I've ever shared that. No, I was, mm -mm. I was born in Mississippi. My dad was pastoring there um, when I was born. And uh, there was a lady there called aunt Lil. Her name was aunt Lil. Everybody called her aunt Lil. She was mm. everybody's aunt, right? Yeah. But she would make sweet tea that was so thick that it would like stick to the glass. Like oh, it was that wow. sweet. It was that sweet. And so when you talk about sweet tea, yeah. That's... Man, if it sticks to the glass, are you sure it was actually, was water added to that? Or was that just the sugar and tea bag? Was that just the, um, what do they call it? The, um, I want to say it's the base, but that's not the technical name. Like, like kind of like the base and then you add the water to it and then that's what creates it. It's like the concentrate. Was that, yeah. this is, you're just drinking straight concentrate of sweet tea? Probably. <laughs> I, I just remember that tea being so incredibly sweet. Oh gosh, yeah. It's like here. Let me take. Let me take. A, let me take about a fourth of a cup. Put it in a glass. Pour some water over it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's actually get to our topic today. So it's been. It's been. Um, it's been talked about a lot on the show about transitions and me and Micah kind of making transitions into new ministry things. Well, just. Um, uh, two Saturdays ago, I was able to move, and actually this past Monday was uh, kind of my first start date at the uh, new place I'm serving. Micah, you started this uh, yesterday. You started yesterday um, as the worship leader at your church. So today, we're just going to kind of share about our uh, our transitions and just, you know, we talked about what makes a smooth transition, what makes a rough transition. So um, so we're going to kind of talk about that, uh, kind of, a, so it's kind of like a part two of our transitions. <laughs> um episode so i'm gonna go which ahead is funny because you seem pretty calm about it i, I don't am. know if it's your demeanor i just you seem very uh i don't know if the word's melancholy but you are you're just very i don't know you seem so relaxed and yeah well so so let's let's begin with move-in day because again i'm living uh church property uh, i didn't move was... anywhere which is awesome yeah so gosh uh, the dream. That's my dream. Not have to move anywhere anymore. <laughs> I can just stay at one place. And the days of moving for me are over, I think. I, I'm getting to that point. I'm almost to the point now. It's like, you know, 
I just don't want to move anymore. So, uh, so moving day was a little rough because I think there was some miscommunication because I think there was an idea that me and my family were just going to unload everything. And that wasn't entirely the case. Like we were hoping there'd be church people. Uh, but a lot of parents here, like they had kind of school stuff because over the weekend was kind of the start of school sports. So a lot of parents were involved in that. And then there's some older parents who had kids that were starting college. So a lot of, and a lot of kids and, and it seems like driving around Bexley, like um, there's a lot of kids because they'll have like signs saying graduate, but then they'll also have like the school of where they're going to. So, I mean, I saw a lot of Georgetown Tech, UVA. So there's a lot of kids who live in this area that when they go to college, they go outside of the state of Ohio. Which so is I crazy. Know, which is really just very interesting. So uh, there's a lot. Because I know how much college costs. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually a lot of kids who, or a lot of parents who Sunday, like my first Sunday, and actually my first Sunday was not even a work Sunday for me. It was just like, hey, just come and participate. So I didn't have any responsibilities, nothing at all. I could have just sat, enjoyed worship, um, and just kind of, you know, be a participant in worship and not have to worry, be the person who's trying to get everything together. So that was, so that was very nice. Um but yeah, Saturday was a bit rough because it was just basically me, Laura, my mom, and my dad unloading the unloading the two trailers that we had our stuff in. And then my mom helped unpack since my mom can't really do stairs very well because uh, we live in a two-story house, three if you count the walk-in attic, which is where I'm recording right now. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, so it's um, so that was a little rough, but then luckily the um, church was able to get us some groceries, so we didn't have to worry about trying to go to the store and get food. So they gave us some groceries for lunch, and then they gave us a gift card for a local restaurant uh, in Bexley that we could go out to eat. So, but it, but I think the kind of the cherry on top of everything on that move-in day was when my kids finally came because my mother-in-law was watching our kids, so we could move in so that my kids weren't under our feet. Because again, you know, if you're a kid and you're in, in somewhere new at the first time, you just want to explore everything, and when you're moving couches and dressers and everything, and everything else and especially if you're going up and down stairs you definitely don't want a kid coming downstairs when you're trying to move up the stairs because it's going to be very stressful so then my wife went to go pick up the kids they met halfway with my mother-in-law she came back and just watching my kids go through this like historical antique wooden door front door that's probably was the first door that when this house was built like years ago was just priceless because i live in an older home so I mean, it was just priceless. It was almost like they walked through a wardrobe and they entered Narnia. Like, like the look on their face was great. Um, so then Sunday, my, so the Sunday that I wasn't technically working or a participant, uh, we had our first service at 9 a.m. And there was a gentleman that came in and the pastor was just about to start service. And she goes, hey, Scott, come here. And there's a gentleman there who really desperately needed prayer. So I took him into my office, which was still covered in boxes at this point. And I just basically, you know, let him share his story. And I prayed for him. And I made sure that, you know, took his information down so we could just be a constant contact with him. And then the week was pretty good, had staff meeting. And that was great. And the week was good. And there's just a lot of things like trying to get, I, I they gave me a Mac. So that was good that I have a Mac work computer. So it's like, oh, cool, a Mac. I haven't used one of these in years. So let's try it. And I mean, I enjoy it. And occasionally if there's something I can't do in the Mac or I can't figure it out, I always have my PC by me. So I can like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, but no, the first week was great. And then Saturday, I kind of helped out because it's the it was a freshman orientation for Capital University, which is in Bexley. So we have a booth up there and we just kind of mm -hmm. show kids about our church and everything else. So I got to go up there and help out with that. And then this past Sunday, there was kind of like our big, like, welcome the Stedman family. So they had a cake and they had a cake reception for us and they had it at both services. So the people came at nine o'clock, they had cake and then they had a whole separate cake. And it was just so nice that everybody was just like, oh, we're so glad you're here. We're, 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 we've been praying for you guys for months and we're just so glad and we're going to continue to pray for you. Um, during the uh, children's time, they had a children's time um, in service. And um, this lady was talking about how Jesus accepted everybody and even children. And then they kind of 
segued that to, hey, here's this new family that's with us. And Pastor Scott, and they, they actually called us down. So we're down there. And here I am sitting with a bunch of kids, like, like sitting on the ground. And they're just like here. And they gave us this nice gift basket that had like T-shirts that said, I heart a BUMC. And they got books and uh, like books and stuff, animals for my kids and got us some like snacks and stuff. And it was just, you know, and it's stuff. And it's not like um, I was expecting like, oh, man like a big ho-do because I'm not someone who likes to have all the praise. I'm, I like to kind of work behind the scenes sometimes, but just that just made things so nice. And I can even see my wife, like she was just touched by just the generosity just, just generosity. And that would be the big word. Like everyone's just been so generous with their time. Like even there's some parents saying, Hey, we live, we live right around the corner. So if you guys want to come over, feel free to come over. Our kids can play with your kids, you know, you know, and there and then there's a men's breakfast here on Tuesdays. And one of the guys is like, hey, you know, we'll talk more. So it's always just been very. Yeah, it's just it's just very people, are very generosity. People are actually very genuine and excited that we're here and they're just very excited about everything that we're doing. And and every time they keep saying, oh, we keep hearing great stuff about you and everything. And so it's stuff like that, where when you hear those comments repeatedly, it's almost like, oh, and it just made. I felt it just made our transition smooth. Plus, it was weird. Thursday, uh, I was talking to my son in the living room, and I looked over, and there's this guy walking with a baby carriage down the street. It's like, oh, wait, I know that guy. So I run out of my house and chase this guy down, which, <laughs> which probably wasn't the best idea. And I just yelled the na- his name, and he turned around, and it's like, oh, hey. So there's a guy that I knew from Mar- Camp Marengo. And then my son's first day of school, I happened to notice that I'll see all these parents post their kids first day of pictures and usually like by the school sign. And there's this one woman who I was a camper. We both were campers around the same time. And I'm looking at this picture of her daughter and I go, wait, that's the same sign. So I comment, I go, no way. You live in Bexley. We just moved here a week ago. And she commented, goes, yeah, we moved here two months ago. That's so, that's so strange that, you're here too. We definitely have to connect. And I, uh, Friday, I actually got to intentionally look out for her because her daughter's a second grader. And my son's a third grader. And they all kind of come out the same area of the school. And I got to see her and I got to talk with her and kind of reconnect. So it was weird just reconnecting with some relationships with people that I haven't had in years. So it was it was good. It was a great week. So maybe that's why I'm all melancholy. I'm like, I mean, I'm pumped. I guess that would be the good thing. Like, I'm just kind of pumped. Things went Went relatively smooth for me, so I'm 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 very very pumped and very excited about that. Um, are you doing children's and youth or just youth? So what I am doing is I am the director of family ministry, so I oversee children and youth. So as far as like me hands on working, I'm not really working too much with children. There's a couple times, but mainly my big thing is just to recruit volunteers to do the work. And then I kind of plan like, so like events, I plan uh, any curriculum, I oversee curriculum, um, even I also oversee confirmation in the UMC. So I kind of oversee that. And luckily, there's some other volunteers who, while there's people who do the confirmation stuff with the um, teenagers who are, you know, who are going through the confirmation process, um, there's another group that works with the parents. So they're like kids are going through confirmation. Um, there's a thing for the parents there and they just kind of do a lot of things. So I think, so that's kind of what I oversee. Like as far as like, I'm probably more primarily going to be hands-on with youth because I don't, because I think the last person, that's what he did. So I think that's kind of like an expectation, which I don't mind working with youth, but yeah, like right now I'm in the process of planning a, uh, a Labor Day, um, a Labor Day youth retreat that they do annually. And that's over in um, Marblehead or Lakeside, Ohio, up there by Sandusky. So, because I guess there's like a big UMC property, like a little gated community that's all UMC stuff. So it's like, I don't know, it's like kind of going to camp meeting, but they, they're right on Lake Erie. So you get to do fun stuff and get to go kayaking on Lake Erie. And it's like fun, fun in the sun. So it's a, uh, so it just seems like you're, I think I've asked you this before in other episodes that we've done, but like, do you feel 
I mean, you've been, since you've been the lead pastor of a church mm-hmm. and now you're not, do you feel that pressure or not now? And do you not, um, you know, I think it's different because now that I'm working with the staff, like you don't I'm have to only, make those decisions. I mean, like I don't have to make those decisions. Like my decision, basically I just focus on children and youth. So curriculum, um, right now I'm kind of creating databases of families. So I'm kind of building kind of like my whole, like, like my whole vision uh, for family ministries. And I have a team, I have a team that I have a meeting with on Wednesday, occasionally, like, you know, I think Tuesday I have like a worship meeting because over the summer, they, they kind of switched their contemporary service to do more like cafe conversations. So it's more of, we're doing a book study. We're going to have a time of where we're going to be reading and, and asking questions. Um, and now we're going to go back to a contemporary service. And actually, it was funny in our staff meeting, they were looking for a worship leader. And I just started laughing. I'm like, hey, I know a worship leader, but uh, he's not available right now. <laughs> but for what, <laughs> for what your church? Yes, yeah, for my church, for our contemporary service, we're looking for a worship leader. Yeah, I'm not driving two hours every week. Exactly. I'm like, you're not driving. But but thankfully, there's another buddy of mine who's a worship leader. And I'm not I moving. Him, I, and yeah, you're not moving. You already said that. But I asked him if he was still leading worship, because I know back one time he was leading worship somewhere in Columbus, and he says he's not leading anywhere anymore. So he's available. And I'm like, oh, would you be interested in leading worship here? Because we have an opening. So I sent him the stuff. He says, he says he's going to talk it over with his wife and get back to me. But I'm like, Oh, that would be kind of cool because then if he's here, then, you know, me and him have a great chemistry because we've led worship together in the past. So it's like, you know, I could be up there leading worship on the, um, during, uh, during Sunday, during the contemporary service. So I think there's a couple of times where they're bringing me in just so I can kind of be a part of some of those meetings. But like, I even kind of, but I think the big thing is that when I was pastoring, you know, when I was pastoring at my last place, I was kind of the guy who had to do, who did it all. And even times when I would say, hey, I definitely need somebody to do this because, you know, my plate's full and I can't do this anymore. Um, and I would ask teams, hey, you need to find like someone to lead worship because I just it's just taking too much time for me for my other responsibilities. And then a lot of times. I would get word back saying, oh, well, we don't know anybody. So we can't. So so it's almost like, well, either I just don't do it and then there's no one doing it or I just have to keep going. I felt like I got burned out pretty quickly because it was like anytime I said, hey, I don't want to lead youth anymore. And then the question was always like, well, I don't know anybody who would do it. Or I could do it, but, you know, I have all this other stuff I'm doing. And it's like, well, if I have people who are not like passionate and committed to do it, then I'm not going to just give it to someone who goes, well, I guess I'll do it. Like to me, I just feel like their, their heart wasn't in it. So then I kept doing it because it's like, well, at least I'm so passionate about it. I'm just saying, if you're thinking I'm slipping on my other pastoral duties, then someone needs to kind of bear the load with me. Cause I can't carry all these. I can't keep spinning all these plates that I'm spinning. So yeah. being here and knowing that I have a specific goal a specific position that you know i'm not going to have to worry about preaching on sunday because that's not going to be my thing and i guess if the pastor says hey i'm going to be out of town or hey i'm sick can you or hey i got covid i'm going to be out for you know seven days can you preach sunday then yeah i can i can jump in and do that but that's not going to be my main thing i'm not going to be designing the worship service I'm just going to be focusing on the kids and youth. And then I've even kind of, and I think from there too, you know, I can basically say, okay, here's all the stuff I'm going to do today. And if I get it all done, I'm leaving. There's no point in me just sitting there. If I have a, I, if I have a to-do list of 10 things I need to accomplish today and I knock out all 10 of those things, then I'm going to go home and spend time with my family, especially since my wife will be heading back to Virginia to do her student teaching. It's like, well, I only have a week before she heads back and then I'm without her for 12 weeks. She's, is she going to come at all like during the weekend or weekend? She'll come, she'll come during the weekend. Like there's a certain couple of weekends she has planned that she's planning on coming up, but it's stuff like that where it's like, you know, I'm, but Monday through Friday, 
I'm still going to be, and then especially on Sundays, if my wife's not here, then I'm going to have to bring my kids to both services. So they'll have to be at the nine o'clock and the 11 o'clock. And then just trying to make sure that they're taken care of while I'm doing the stuff that I need to do and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there are challenges, but luckily the church says that they had just some people who said, you know, they're willing to have the kids sit by them in service and make sure that they get to their kids time. If I'm doing other things. So for me, I'm like, well, you know, that's a blessing. That's a blessing to be able to do that. And that the church is so willing to help out in these <laughs> training. Cause I mean, even though I'm here, it's still transition time. Cause I mean, we still have stuff over in Virginia. So once my wife is done, I'm still going to have to go back to Virginia and move the rest of our stuff that my wife is kind of temporarily having. So she has like, you know, a, a chair, a bed, a couch, something. So she can, a TV, something that she can use while she's there. So she's just not sitting in an empty apartment by herself every day. She comes home and, you know, so, and, you know, getting some pots and pans. So it's been, so for the most part, it's just been, um, it's a smooth transition and they're still continuing to make it smoother as, you know, in the next 12 weeks. So it's been, so again, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm humbled and I'm blessed. Mm. What about, um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and we don't have to get deep into the weeds about, Mm-hmm. you know theology but like how you know how are you feeling about that you know is this the first non-church of god that you've been on staff at pastored at i'd say yeah i mean i've been i mean i spoke at other churches that were not yeah but church like god churches. Be, being on staff at a church yeah it's not it is and and for the most part like i'm not really dealing with a lot of those issues like for me, my big thing, and I think that's the great thing about working with children and youth, you don't really have to dive right into theology and the difference of theology between a UMC and a Church of God. Because even the UMC and Church of God, they're all kind of from the same Wesleyan branch or the Wesleyan right. you were, I, I guess what I'm getting at is you were talking about confirmation and having to do that and learn how yeah, but to do here, that. But so. I got what, I mean, I, luckily I had, because there's two... Think there's three. I believe there's three people who are in this position within like a short time frame. I have the confirmation manuals from two of the pastors who were there, and when I'm reading through them, like it's just basic stuff. Like this is what baptism is. This is who Jesus is. Who's your God? Is here's the Holy Spirit. So it's almost like basically, if I, I mean, literally, if I wanted to build a comp, and, and this guy, one of the guys, built his confirmation based off the Lord's Prayer. I mean, he kind of talked about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and then everything else he went through the Lord's Prayer as a way to kind of teach the basics of do you believe these things? Um, you know, some I've seen some where they base it off the Nikean tree, uh, creed. You know, here's the, you know, here's here's God the Father, here's Jesus the Son, here's the Holy Spirit, here we're we're one um holy and Catholic, you know, we're one Catholic church or you know, little C, not big C, you know, we're Here's kind of our mission. This is the mission of the church, what we're supposed to be doing. So, and not a lot of times when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh, there's there's some UMC theology in here that I disagree with. Like, it's very basic Christian theology. And so I don't think, so I really don't think I'm going to run into a lot of those differences. I guess the only difference that I may run into is like, if I, I guess if they ask me to preach and, I, and I'm not someone who likes to preach, and me not wearing like a robe, maybe that would be the extent of like, why is he not wearing a robe? And and why is he not preaching behind the lectionary or the or the pulpit? You know, why is he moving around? You know, it's like because I don't like standing behind a big wooden booth. Like I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm here. So it's stuff like that where I think if if there's any gonna be difference, it's gonna be the stuff that's not necessarily the, theological driven, but more kind of cultural driven based on what people perceptions are and based on what people think is, you know, proper, proper worship. But even then, I don't know, because at least right here, everyone's been so like open and everything else to, And even a lot of people who attend church, like just kind of getting no family. Some of them's like, oh, yeah, this is our first time we've been in a UMC church. Originally, we're we're Baptist, or originally we're Nazarene, or originally we're, you know, we're originally we're UCC, and it's like oh, or originally we're Catholic, <laughs> so it's like oh, okay, so there's more of a diverse people within 
this church than necessarily, you know, it's almost like a Church of God church because those have people who come to Church of God churches that always have a background in different denominations and not necessarily your diehard Church of Godders. So if that's even a word, Church of Godders. <laughs> uh, I think you just adopted it. <laughs> Trademark, ding, get a lawyer. Anyway, <laughs> what about you, Micah? How was your transition starting at uh, at the uh, Nazarene Church as a worship leader? Um, it's been interesting. It's not mm. like it's a bad thing. I mean, like I'm, I think I have a lot. I mean, we haven't really shared on this show, but like, there's a lot of woundedness to, mm. uh, to, to my ministry. And, um, I don't know if you had that same experience in Virginia. I know that you left mm-hmm. your church, but like, um, I was telling my wife yesterday, I'm like, I just don't know that I'll ever get over that. Like, mm. I don't know if I'm ever going to get over the hurt and um, I'm not comparing this new ministry assignment to that. It's just, um, it's very difficult to put yourself out there after experiencing such pain and, mm. um, you know, being open to uh, just letting people in and let people love you. And uh, there's several people like, I mean, it, it, I don't want to be the complete opposite of like your story, mm-hmm. right? Like, but I, I think that um, it's hard for me to say, hey, we're doing great. Hey, this is going great. Hey, this mm-hmm. is fantastic. This is everything I dreamed of when um, deep down inside we're still hurting and we're still, uh, you know, a wreck from past experiences. Um, yeah. And I think you know, people can be sweet to me all day long. It doesn't mean I'm not going to feel the way I feel. And I think people, you know, forget that. Um, but, the, but also they don't know, they don't know what they don't know. And so they're just trying to be hospitable and they're just trying to be nice and they're just trying to be loving and they're just trying to be like Jesus told them to be. Or, and, um, you know, I, it's something that I struggle with. And the other part of that too, is that I've worked in larger situations, larger churches, and this church is maybe 100, 150 people. And um, there's no real communication at this point, And there's no real clear expectation at this point, And there's no real, um, I don't know, order. There's no real, like, they just kind of show up and do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that I'm, like, trying to be an A-type micromanager, but, like, I... You know, people come up to me and ask me like, hey, can we do this today? Or, hey, are we doing this today? And I'm like, I have no idea because (laughs) I don't know how things run around here. And I'm used to working at a church where we have multiple services and everything has to happen on time. And, you know, you have to always get to the next service. And I was telling somebody yesterday that like when I worked at the larger church in Cincinnati last year, um, we had two campuses and six services. Like, and it was always like, you always had to be the, it was always the next thing, right? You always had to make sure online church was working. You always had to make sure mm-hmm. that the pastor was in the right place to preach his next sermon. And, you know, it was a production. And so um, it's just, it's an adjustment for sure. And, um, you know, I think worship went okay yesterday. Uh, some friends of mine that came to church yesterday said, you know, worship was really anointed and we, we really enjoyed it. And we thought that it was, was free and amazing and you did a great job. And I didn't feel that way. Mm. <laughs> like it was, and I told somebody, it's crazy. Like there's moments where I like, I'll, I'll just sob when I lead worship, but then there's moments where the spirit may move in somebody else's heart. And I didn't feel that at all. So, yeah. um, it's, I don't know, man. Like it's, uh, it's a challenge for me. I mean, it really is. And um, I'm really struggling to find the words. I'm struggling to find the the um, the wherewithal to, to process what we're going to be doing and even committing to something long-term because I just don't know. Yeah. And um, last week, I think it was Thursday or Friday. It's one of those days. Um, I was at work and I called Jordan. I called Jordan Halstead, uh, our friend that we mm-hmm. record other podcasts with. And I, I was like, man, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I've made the right decision. I feel like, what, what are we doing? Like, am I doing too much? Like, 
And just for context for your listeners, I work full-time at Miami. I teach a class for leadership focus um, for Church of God Ministries. I'm, uh, I, I started a grad program this week. I got accepted to grad school at Miami. So I'm only taking a class a semester. So it's not like it's a huge deal. I don't, how, do, what are you doing, Scott? Like the class a semester? Yeah, it's like, a, uh, yeah, we kind of have, yeah, we have a class per semester for our doctor, but that's the way it's designed. And I'm only taking okay. a total of eight classes. So I'm actually taking class four this fall. Yeah. So like I'm doing my, the master's program of education that I'm taking is 10 courses and we have rolling admission, meaning we can take classes fall, summer, winter, and spring, and just take them as often as you want. And there's only 10 courses, so I can do it in two and a half years if I really wanted to. And mm-hmm. so, um, but anyway, like I, you know, I'm working, start a grad program, I'm teaching a class, and then I just called Jordan and I was like, man, I just need to talk to somebody because I feel like I'm having a nervous breakdown. Because like, I hadn't even mm. started at this church yet. And like, you know there's just all the, all these expectations that are all of a sudden just dropped in your face. And it's like, can I do this? And I, I, and I told my wife, she came over for lunch and I just started crying. Like I cried uncontrollably. Cause I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't have the bandwidth to physically do the things that they're asking me to do, even though it's a part-time role. Mm. And, um, and you know, as well as I do that ministry is never a part-time role. I don't yeah. care how much they pay you. They could pay you 50 bucks a week or they could pay you $50,000 a year. And it's never a part-time role. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I'm just really struggling with like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And my wife and I were unpacking, you know, yesterday's service and we thought that things went well. We thought things went okay. But is it one of those things where they truly want me to just come in and lead worship? Or do they want me to come in and lead worship be on staff and be the catalyst for change to take that church to the next level for another generation. Mm. And that's a big ask from somebody who's part-time. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, and I said it openly on the show before, I don't know that I would do another full-time ministry position, position, even if I was paid and compensated well, because I just, I, I enjoy where I'm at in higher ed and I don't have to be in a pulpit. I don't have to be holding a guitar. I don't have to be, in the four walls of a church to pastor and lead people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, COVID taught us that because we just had to think outside of our walls. Yeah. For the first time ever. And uh, even, you know, we talked about it in the communications episode a couple of weeks ago with just being creative in that respect to just do other things besides the traditional worship experience on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so part of that for me, Scott was like, my call shifted in the middle of COVID when I lost my job, I went and worked I, like my dream came true and I, I landed this, this job at this mega church and God was like, Nope, I've got other plans. And honest, honestly felt like God was shifting my call to go help churches, not on a full-time basis, but just go help churches that needed it. Hey, yeah. my projector quit working. Hey, I need somebody to fill in to lead worship. Hey, my live stream isn't working. Hey, could you help us with our website? Hey, could you help us with online giving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, could you film a video for us and edit and produce it? Like, I have a full-time job and I'm grateful for that. And I have that opportunity. And so I don't know, like it was, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting off topic, but like my experience mm-hmm. has been, it's been weird. Like I I'm okay with where I'm at and I'm okay with what I'm doing, but like, I don't know that it's for, for a long-term thing. I don't know if it's a long-term assignment. I don't know if it's temporary. I don't know if yeah. it's, but like, we've never talked about that. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are younger. We're not young whippersnappers by any means, but we're younger than, than we're, we're in the prime of our life, right? We're, yeah. you know, like I'm in mid, my mid thirties, you just turned 40. Mm-hmm. Like we're in like, quote unquote, the glory days of our life. And like, are we supposed to be the catalyst for change in the churches we serve? Because we're at a time in history where we need to be that catalyst for change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're not, I'm like, we're not, dive into the deep theological conversations, but we went out to lunch with people yesterday after church and it was a great time of fellowship and a great time of like getting to know one another. And I honest to God didn't know. I mean, I knew that the Nazarene church was very close theologically to church God, which is what mm-hmm. when I ordained in yeah. but the conversation about drinking come up and this lady just lost it because she was like, I, I don't understand why you would tempt yourself. And I was like, well, if somebody's an alcoholic, they're not going to, you know, 
but I even said that scripture says that, you know, you got to work out your own salvation if you're in trembling talks about that um, in scripture. And, you know, if you're convicted by those things, don't do them. And so, yeah. and my wife even chimed in and she's like, how do you know Netflix isn't a temptation? How do you know that ice cream isn't a temptation? How do you know that like, you know, like all of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, you know, all that to say the first Sunday was good. It was just a lot. And I get overwhelmed pretty easily when in those situations because I put a lot of pressure on myself to a perform, be on my, you know, top game. And, uh, there's just some, like, it's culture shock. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. is. Um, you talked about being in the South versus being in the North. You talked about, and like churches in the South are way different than the churches in the North. Yeah. And, and whether that's like a, you know, a a civil war kind of attitude or, you know, uh, just a, a political attitude, whatever, wherever you are, um, it, it's culture shock. Like, could you imagine Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church coming to your church and like preaching on a Sunday morning? That would be just culture shock to him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because he wouldn't know how to read the room. He wouldn't know how to do. I'm sure he could preach and I'm sure he could do a great job. But I don't know because he wouldn't have the interaction with the congregation that he does at his church. Yeah. Or an Andy Stanley or uh, you name the pastor or the worship leader. Like, it's just. It's such a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And I and. I'm feeling that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, and I would say, you know, one of the things we never talked about in our transitions episode, which you kind of alluded to was, you know, we talked about what churches can do, what we can do, everything else. But I think the one thing that we, I don't think we really addressed about what we can do is really assess the woundedness that we've had in ministry and how much that can have an influence of how we approach a new position And, you know, for me, it's like, oh, everything's all happy, hunky-dory. Well, I have to go back to my year transition. I told my wife, Laura, I told her specifically, I need to go to this event. There's a, um, where I graduated with my master's, especially in counseling, you know, I found out about this place out in Ashland where it's called a, it's like a little healing retreat. They go there and it's basically doing like six months of counseling in like six days. Mm. Like and a, a counseling boot camp. It is. It's like a counseling boot camp, but you're there and it's, but it's, it has a spiritual component because they do a lot with formational prayer and, and more spiritual healing. But I mean, there's also people who are counselors there who are, you know, who are licensed counselors and also kind of know the spiritual side of everything. And I've been going there. I mean, it, it, it impact, I was able to get a lot of stuff out and be able to get a lot of healing from that and i think me intentionally saying hey i need to do this because if i don't i don't want to bring damaged goods or like you know i don't want to continue to bring my woundedness or my perceptions of woundedness and project that on these people who are not going to be like those that i ministered before you know when i sit up so I say all that to say that, you know, I think that's another aspect of the transition because as you're saying, and if I'm reading you right, it's like your perception of how things went might have been clouded because you're thinking, okay, what's the expectation? What's this? You know, and I think that might be kind of a thing that you really have to kind of really kind of have to work out and really say, okay, you know, I'm going to and i mean i think it's it's easy for me to lean into people and kind of love people because i've kind of went through because i went through those that healing process because i intentionally decided to jump in that but for someone who may not have done that or somebody who maybe just they just have a lot on their plate working a full-time job working a part-time job doing all this consulting like when do you have the time to say you know i feel like i'm going to take oh by the way recording (laughs) podcast with scott and jordan Every week. Yeah, recording, recording. Hey, you can record with me over at the retreat center if you decide to go. <laughs> but it's stuff like that where, but it's things like that where, um, you know, when am I going to find the time to do yeah. all that? And well, so I, so realistically, I think that, you know, you calling Jordan is a good move to have to say, okay, hey, I, do, I feel ill prepared or having your friends there at service basically kind of, saying, hey, it was good, it was when, even though you think, oh, man, this 
it was all right or eh. But then if you have someone like, you know, your wife unpacking it with you and you have friends saying, hey, it was good. And and other people who are kind of I mean, I think that kind of goes a long way to kind of get you back up to thinking, okay, you know. Well, honestly, I thought like, have I made a mistake? Mm, Yeah. And I'm not and like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and I'm not going to act like everything's okay because I've learned to not do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly felt yesterday, I'm like, am I supposed to do this? Like, and like, it almost felt like everything was, everything happened really, really fast. Right. And it was just like, I went, we had like an informal conversation with the pastor. They wanted me to come and lead. I led, I led another time. They set me down and then like, they met with their board to see if they could hire me. And they didn't even tell me they were meeting with their board. And <laughs> like, it just happened, right? Everything just yeah. happened. And I, I'm not mad about that or anything. It just happened. And so, um, you know, and then boom, I'm there. And it's really, you know, I feel like I was having a panic attack a little bit on, fr- mm. <laughs> on Friday when I was sitting in my office. And oh, wow. um, just don't, know what I'm supposed to do and when is enough enough. And I, I told Alicia yesterday, I'm like, I can't, I don't know that I, I can't go help churches now because I'm tethered to one. Um, And I just, I feel kind of, I don't want to say suffocated, but like, mm. I feel like I'm not able to go help people now because I'm stuck here. Yeah. Um. But it may also be a conversation where we have that with their team and say, look, we can come in here and and help do some things and upgrade some things, but I don't foresee this being a long-term situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have to be okay with that and respect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack and it, it, I think it's great that for, for those who are listening, just hearing our stories and just the two experiences we have. So yeah, uh, that's great. I know uh, we're running out of time. I'd love to continue this conversation, but we may have to do it off <laughs> off the podcast, Micah. But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a great time listening to this. Hopefully this helps you, especially if you're maybe you're a pastor who's in transition and maybe you feel like, oh, man, I really connect with Scott's stories. Or maybe you're like, man, I really connect with Micah's stories. You know, that's great. We'd love to hear how you guys are transitioning in new ministries, especially after the pandemic. And and all that. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your uh, weekend and we'll be back on next week with a new episode. Take care.